0: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: those well I was brushing my teeth, I felt that the tip of my tongue went numb and I thought I had been bitten by a spider or something like at first... So I'd been in the garden doing a bit of work. Then it went away, so I continued brushing my teeth. I got a wave of heat from my forehead and it went to the back of my head. And I thought, oh, that's not right. So I, I stopped that and called my wife and she came in. By this time, I was lying on the bed, the right side of my leg and my arm was shaking a bit, like when you're cold, when you're shivering. They couldn't locate the clot. My blood pressure was really high. That stopped them from being able to give us any clot-busting drugs or whatever. So I spent most of the day in and knee. During the second week, the uh, discharge nurse came to see where there was two possibilities. We could stay there and start rehab in Australia or we could get flown home and, and do the rehab at home. All the medical staff there were saying that uh, in Perth they have the uh, State Rehabilitation Service based there. Only three-year-old, state-of-the-art, world-class. I think I'm quite happy with where I am at the moment. I'd like to get a bit more recovery physically in my arm, um, but it doesn't stop us from doing anything that I want to do, which I, I feel very fortunate. Just basically keep on going the road that I'm on now, you know, just enjoying life and volunteering where I can, and helping with life.
2: Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Strokes can happen at any time. If you suffer one while you're abroad, many airlines recommend not flying until two weeks after your stroke, but some suggest you wait three months. The most important thing is getting urgent medical treatment as soon as you feel the symptoms. In this episode, we hear from Ross McKenzie from Ashington in Northumberland, who suffered a stroke at the age of 58.
1: In 2015, I took a little redundancy. I used to work for BT as an IT consultant. i had two years off, basically, living a good life. had this stroke nearly two years after I took the redundancy. My wife works for the NHS and she was retiring at 55 so I decided that uh, I would retire at the same time so I wasn't really doing a lot apart from going out on my motorbike and doing the things that you can't do when you're working. It was in 2017, September and my wife and I were on holiday in Australia. We were supposed to be there for three and a half weeks. We were staying for 12 days with friends that emigrated there in 92. We're staying at their house for the first 12 days near Perth. It was on the morning of the 10th day that I had a stroke. We'd been out in the garden doing some work and what have you, come in, had breakfast. We we're going to drive into Perth for the second time and have a look at the sights. And I was excused myself and went to brush my teeth. And it was while I was brushing my teeth, I felt that my the tip of my tongue went numb, like tingly, and, and didn't feel quite right. And I thought, what's going on here? And I thought I had been bitten by a spider or something like at first. because so I'd been in the garden doing a bit of work. Then it went away, so I continued brushing my teeth. Shortly after that, I came back, and it, and it affected more of my tongue. And I thought, there's something going on here. I got a wave of heat from my forehead, and it went to the back of my head. And I thought, oh, that's not right. So I stopped that and called my wife and she came in and she called the friend that I was staying with because she used to be a nursing assistant. By this time, I was lying on the bed, the right side of my leg and my arm was shaking a bit, like when you're cold, when you shiver. And It wasn't because I was cold, it was just some sort of reaction. And I thought at the time, oh, this could be serious, this... And uh, she suspected a stroke, and called the paramedics, in and I was rushing to the hospital. Were miles from anywhere, but the paramedics got there within about quarter of an hour of the call, and they got us to the hospital, Sir S- Charles Gardner Hospital in Perth, within forty minutes of them arriving. And they did sort of CT scans and a and E and whatever. They couldn't locate the clot. My blood pressure was really high, that stopped them from being able to give us any clot busting drugs or whatever. So I spent most of the day in and had no pain. I was fully conscious, knew what was going on. Me sort of right eye, I lost control of my right eye and that was like moving back and forwards. And it stopped us able to like make sense of images that my brain was processing. I got admitted to the neurological ward there and I spent two weeks on the ward. Did further tests and what have you. Their best guess was that I'd had a stroke due to undiagnosed high blood pressure. They don't think it was related to the flight across. They found an undiagnosed PFO, which is the hole in the heart, which can be a risk factor for stroke, but they didn't think that was involved in it. And they also found a thrombosis in my right calf, but they don't know whether that was pre-stroke or whether it was post-strokes. So at that time, I'd been like six days in hospital, mostly in bed. So I was on blood thinners and the stroke's were not bad enough with well, the possibility of the cardiologist intervening with a heart, but they decided not to, to my relief. I didn't really want to have to have a heart operation.
2: Ross had therapy at a brand new rehab centre.
1: During the second week, the uh, discharge nurse came to see where... There was two possibilities. We could stay there and start rehab in Australia or we could get flown home and and do the rehab at home. All the medical staff there were saying that uh, in Perth, they have the uh, state rehabilitation service based there. Only three-year-old, state-of-the-art, world-class sort of stroke care. So they all recommended that we, we stay there if the insurance were happy with that. As it turned out, that they have a reciprocal agreement with the UK so all the medical costs were paid for by the UK with the claimant back from the UK so the insurance didn't have to pay anything at all for that. We made the decision to stay there for the rehab so I ended up having eight weeks rehab as an inpatient in their state rehabilitation service. It was fantastic, you know, it was definitely the right decision that we had made. I mean, one of the factors that um, I hadn't considered at the time, you know, it was sort of 20 degrees, 26 degrees, something was in the 30s there. And when I did fly back to the UK in December, it was about sort of minus five, minus four, and my body reacted to that. I couldn't hardly move. It was that bad. So just on that basis, it was the best thing for us. Plus I got eight weeks fairly intensive rehab. I'm not sure whether, in this country weather, I was getting that. I was getting two hours of physio every day, an hour of OT every day. Twice a week I was getting speech therapy. So, you know, it was, it was fantastic. I was actually looking forward to going home. I have three children and when it first happened, two of the children flew out to see us because at that time we weren't sure whether you know it was going to be life-threatening or whatever, especially when we got diagnosed with a hole in the heart and, and, and the thrombosis. I thought, oh, it's pretty serious. The last week, my third child came out to see us for a week, so I wanted to go home when it first happened, but obviously I couldn't at the time. And then when we started having the two options, we decided to stay. And and with friends that we were staying with, were quite accommodating to allow my wife to stay with them. The facilities were fantastic, and I didn't really sort of consider myself as having a stroke. It was it was more like a a boot camp off the TV. You know when you see these programs on the TV, where you you do things because every day you are doing something. And once I was actually a bit better, I was I was starting to be a bit more mobile. They would let you use the gym as long as there was physiotherapists in the gym and they could see what you were doing and everything. They were quite accommodating. They let you do extra work if you wanted to do it. So I used to go in there nearly every day for extra stuff to do.
2: Although Ross's stroke came completely out of the blue, he makes sure his outlook is always positive.
1: When it first happened, I thought, well, is this it? Because it didn't affect us cognitively as such, and I was conscious all the time, you start wondering, oh, is this how it's going to end? The main thing is that it has polarised my emotions. So if somebody tells us a joke and it and tickles it me fancy, I'll laugh uncontrollably to the extent where I can hardly breathe. Then on the other side of things, watching something like DIY, SOS on the TV, you know, in tears and choking up before the stroke, that didn't actually really affect us. Your emotions are more polarised, but... Sort of mentally, after I came off the acute ward after the two weeks, and it was sort of clear that I wasn't going to die. You're in this situation; you don't know whether you how much recovery you're going to get because nobody's got a crystal ball and can tell you. Every stroke's different. I had the attitude that well, you know, you're in this mess. But you've got to give yourself every opportunity to recover as much as you can, to maximise your recovery. From the very onset, I had a very positive attitude. There was only one evening where I was down. That's the only time during my whole two and a half years that I've actually felt down. And that was when I was on the rehabilitation. I think it was about the fifth week. I had an electric wheelchair. They said that we could go out for a day in Perth. It was after a day of going about the streets and what have you and down onto the quay and doing things. And then when we came back, the realisation of how bad you are, at that point I had very little movement in my right arm. I couldn't really walk unassisted. And that just sort of hit us a bit. I thought about that that night and I was a bit down. To be fair, I I told my occupational therapist the next day that that those feelings, their social services person came to see us that day and they were straight onto it, and so I got support that way, but to be honest, it it only lasted like that evening. So I've I've just been very positive and done as much as I could, you know, to get the recovery, and I've I've had a really good recovery, so I'm, I'm really pleased about that.
2: Ross was enjoying early retirement before his stroke hit while he was on holiday. Luckily for him, he received state-of-the-art care at a rehab centre in Australia and he's determined to be positive about his future. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Ross on the support of those closest to him.
1: My wife's given us the best support. She's sort of been there from the very beginning. She was coming in every day. She's been there for... All me needs in terms of looking after us physically at the beginning then as I become more and more independent supporting as well as I could.
2: And his local volunteering.
1: What I have done is sort of concentrate on volunteering stuff to keep myself busy. So I was a rider for um, Northumbria blood bikes and I used to volunteer for them taking blood samples or whatever between hospitals. When I got back I was able to do my assessment again for my driving. So I passed that. I got my advanced drivers and now I volunteer for them again driving. So that keeps us busy.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
2: Let's hear how Ross became involved with Active Stroke Northeast.
1: When I got back to the UK, my GP referred us to the Newcastle Community Stroke Team. And they have physiotherapists that come out in the community. One of the assistant physiotherapists told us about this group based here, and that they did like a, a pool-based exercise on a Tuesday mornings and would I like to go. So I thought, right, oh, right, yeah, I'll give that a go. You know, and I found it very beneficial, and then they told us that they had a, a meeting on a, a Friday, a drop-in, where they did sort of chair-based exercise, and you were able to talk and socialise and whatever. So I started going to that. I found the, the group really helpful. they have been going about 18 years, so I used it as a beneficiary for the most of 2018. In December of 2018, we got told that the, financially the group wasn't doing very well. So I became a trustee at that point and was able to get some grants to, to keep it going, some money, gradually like, taking on more and more of that. so. At the moment, I find it very beneficial mentally for myself to actually organise that and we'll have new people coming in and give a little bit back because of all the help that you've received. So, I find it really good. It supports stroke survivors in the northeast of England. Uh, primarily Newcastle, but we do have beneficiaries from the south of the Tyne and down on the coast, so some people travel quite away. It's there their support physically and mentally. Providing the opportunity, it's all free. They have got members that, that have had strokes like 10 years ago or even further. They come and it's more on the social side. Since I became chair last September, I've seen a lot of newcomers coming in and um, they can use it as long as they want to use it. So some people come all the time, but others use it and then, then they find uh, things nearer at home, like a, a swimming pool. It gives them the confidence here to be in a, like in a private pool session with, with other stroke survivors, so you're all in it together. And then once they become confident in that, they can find amenities I closer to their home and, and do that. Similarly, with on, the, on the Friday drop-in, people use it. If they want to keep on coming. That's great. If they don't, that's fine. In terms of that social side, of think everybody's in the same situation, so you can bounce things off each other. My wife's given us the best support, you know, she's sort of been there from the very beginning. She was coming in every day. She's been there for all my needs. In terms of looking after us physically at the beginning, then as I become more and more independent, supporting as well she could. I've got good support from my family, my children, Basically, I found good support everywhere with, with the services from ANHS, the community stroke service, they've been very good. But you do realise that they're the very sort of stretched in terms of resources that they've got. Once they get on a programme, an exercise programme, and, and they can see the progression, and you get to a certain level, then you get discharged, sort of thing. Whereas in an ideal world, you'd you hope to continue that physio and even now you know i mean because i'm very motivated i I do a lot of stuff off my own back i'm still making progress yet two and a half years after the stroke albeit much more slow progress i found that basically the support's been good
2: Although Ross still believes he's the same person, he has experienced a few changes after his recovery.
1: The biggest change, I think, is that nothing fears as you know. Whereas you might have, in the past, you might have had worries about something. I just think back to where I was and that bed and couldn't move. Your health's the main thing. Everything else might be an annoyance, but it's, it's not the end of the world. If you can't do it the day, try it again the next day. My outlook on life is just trying to appreciate. The simple things that you, you don't appreciate when you're in good health. I'm basically still the same. I mean, I feel very fortunate that it hasn't affected us cognitively. So some people lose sight, you know. I can't recall the words that they want to say. I, I made some very good friends when I was in rehab. And a lot of them were in a worse state than me. It must be frustrating if you have an impairment where you know what you want to say to somebody and you can't kind of find the words to say it. And you can see the frustration and I've been lucky that I've not had that. So I just basically appreciate life more, I think, than what I did before. What I have done is sort of concentrate on volunteering stuff to keep myself busy. So I was a rider for um, Northumbria blood bikes. and I used to volunteer for them taking blood samples or whatever between hospitals. When I got back, I was able to do my assessment again for my driving, so I passed that. I got my advanced drivers, and now I volunteer for them again, driving. So that keeps us busy. Also, I look on this stroke group that I'm in now is volunteering. Even though I'm a beneficiary and have had a stroke, I just feel like in a position where I can help others, that are sort of less fortunate in a way. So that sort of appeals to us on my volunteering side of things. I used to volunteer down at the local park, like sort of clearing up and cutting back the undergrowth and whatever, you know, a litter picking. And and I've started going back to that as well. So my life is sort of back to normal where it was pre-stroke, where where I'm doing this sort of stuff. You certainly have a different view on things, you know. If you're fortunate, you can actually do that again. Could so easily be in the
2: other way. Here, Ross talks about his goals for the future.
1: I think I'm quite happy with where I am at the moment. I'd like to get a bit more recovery physically in me, arm um, but it doesn't stop us from doing anything that I want to do which I, I feel very fortunate just basically keep on going the road that I'm on now you know just enjoying life and volunteering where I can and helping others personally I think when you've had a major trauma or stroke like that I think it's if you can just Try and stay positive and, and do what they tell you to do. You might not feel like doing it, but it's it's for your own good. And, and just try 100% all the time and do more if you can. Just keep at it. You become very self-focused on yourself. I think I would say like if you've got a spouse or a loved one, that's sort of caring for you just consider the situation for them as well and try and be like understanding of that again like sort of praise stroke you love someone whatever you but you you don't always show it you know so just try and tell them that you do still love them and you are thinking of them even though you're in that situation
2: Ross is dedicated to helping other people who've had a stroke and he's had a huge impact on the local survivor community and the Active Stroke Northeast group continues to go from strength to strength. Next time on Stroke Stories. When the stroke actually started to happen, his eyes were wide open. While I was on the phone, the side of his face twisted down. So I knew he'd had a stroke then. Don't forget to subscribe to Stroke Stories, the podcast on your preferred provider. And if you rate and comment on the episode you hear, that will help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and you have a story to share with us, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.